When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, beloved, welcome to another chapter of the book of Sean. It's good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. I'm excited about tonight's show. Great show tonight, because we're going to talk about something that's very important. My dear brother, Steph, is here, all right? Look at him. How do you not love him already, right? Steph is here. We're going to talk about his journey with a little word called no. A little word called no. Just got two letters, but for some people, that's one of the hardest things to come up with, is to tell people no. Now, you guys watch this show, you know I have no problems doing that. <laughs> I have the opposite problem. I got to find a reason to say yes. But I want to help my brother tonight because I want him to have all the love and all the f- facilitation and all the commitment that he deserves. And sometimes the thing standing in your way is you. So we're going to deal with that tonight. I want to inspire him and hopefully inspire you too. You know what I'm saying? Because as I talk to him and work with him, I'm really working with you. Because we all got an area in our lives where we ain't good at saying no. So we're going to work on that tonight. We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. We got some headlines. It's going to be a great show. So get comfortable. Take your shoes off. All right. Get you some pie. Get you something to drink. Whatever your favorite beverage is. And let's get this party started. Highly play the bumper. (laughs) So let's talk about Michigan politics. In particular, Michigan Republicans. Stay with me because this is about to get interesting. You ready for this? Michigan Republican Ryan Kelly was arrested on misdemeanor charges for participating, wait for it, in the January 6th insurrection. Yes. So Mr. Mr. Kelly was arrested and charged with a misdemeanor for participating in the insurrection of January 6th. Now, if if I remember my facts correctly, and I usually do, I'm pretty good with facts. Mr. Kelly is also running and he's also running to be the governor of, of Michigan. That's what made the story interesting to me. So here you are, sir. You're running to you're running for state office, statewide office in Michigan to be the governor of the state of Michigan. And you participated in the insurrection. So you're running for public office while you sought to undermine the republic. (laughs) Does anybody see the hypocrisy? Anybody see a problem with that? Does anybody see why this man should not be running for public office? Because if you're willing to subvert the Constitution and overthrow a legitimate election, you should not be able to put your name on a ballot for a legitimate election. Huh? Y'all know I'm cooking with hot grease right now. I'm just trying to figure this out, people. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure it out. I do not understand how you presume to be something that you tried to destroy. How do you do that? What kind of gall? What kind of unmitigated ego? Do you have to summon to think that your name should be on a ballot and you was around storming the Capitol? So, so listen, you know, I'm not a voter in Michigan. I don't live in Michigan. I don't ever quite honestly want to live in Michigan. It's too cold in Michigan. I'm cool with L.A., California. I like warm weather. 
But here's my word to all the voters in Michigan, Republican, Democrat, Independent, and everything in between. You all should not be rewarding someone who tried to undermine the country with having them be elected to public office. Mr. Kelly has shown that he cannot be trusted. And you ought to love yourselves enough in Michigan not to empower someone who doesn't love the country that he lives in. They gave Michelle Obama how much slack about how she doesn't love America. She don't love America when she said that she was finally proud of her country. Isn't that what they said? Michelle, Michelle Obama, was, she doesn't love America. She never, she never sought to undermine the Constitution. She didn't storm the Capitol. She didn't break into the Senate chamber. Huh? Listen, I'm trying not to cuss because I need to be holy for Steph tonight. <laughs> I got to keep my comportment because this 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 will make you cuss. I mean, the hypocrisy just gets me. All right. Listen, people, you know, bad people don't flourish because they're good at being bad. Bad people flourish because good people say nothing. And everybody in the state of Michigan, you have a responsibility to say something and do something about this. Don't let this man become your governor, okay? I'm just saying. All right, let's move on, because I got a great story for you. All right, Steph, you and I are going to cry on this one, all right? Because I like to cry. <laughs> I don't mind crying. I'm fine with it. All right, check this story out. Several months after a family member's Stop hearing from Tina and Harold Kloss, right, in the 1980s. Um, tragically, a ger- that, that, that couple right there, tragically, a German shepherd discovered a decomposed arm in East Harris County, Texas, and brought it home. Keep listening, because it's about to get better. For, uh, so, so for decades, okay, the bodies went unidentified until last year when um, a DNA analysis revealed that the bodies that were found all those decades ago were the remains of Harold and Tina. But what puzzled their family, listen to this, is what happened to their little girl. Because Harold and Tina had a little girl. And when the bodies were found and the arm was found, there was no evidence, no whatever of the little girl. She totally vanished off the face of the earth. And so the family had to deal with the tragedy of losing Harold and Tina. And then they had to deal with the mystery of not knowing what happened to the little girl. A little girl named Holly. Holly was missing. And so this couple, who somehow came to their tragic end, and the, and the, and the tragedy of the family having to deal with that tragic end, now was compounded by the missing little girl who had vanished from the face of the earth. That was until, all right, you ready for the joy? Because this is why I did this story. That was until just the other day when the Texas Attorney General, <clears throat> General's Office, excuse me, announced that Holly, the little girl of Harold and Tina, who is now 42 years old and a mother of five, was found living in Oklahoma. Listen, if you don't want to clap and smile, it's just because you a Grinch and you're mean. Isn't that the best thing you heard all day? Her parents were murdered and killed. They found the bodies. The little girl was gone. And they found her living in Oklahoma. She's 42 years old. She has five kids of her own. So apparently, okay, listen, this is interesting. What happens is when her parents were killed, whoever did all of that, took her and left her at a church. And then she was later adopted. 
So nobody knew who she was. Nobody knew how she was connected to any of the story. So she was adopted. And of course, uh, let me just say this. Her adopted parents, are, the authorities believe, have nothing to do with what happened to her biological parents. They weren't a part of it. You know, they were totally unrelated. Okay? Okay. So this little girl was left at a church, and then she's adopted. And she was living this whole life, right, while she had this whole other story she didn't even know about. And I'm not, I'm not celebrating, I'm not celebrating the evil people who did something to her parents and left her out of church, but I am so glad that they decided not to kill her. Can I get an amen or something right there? Can you just say something to me right there? I, I'm just so glad that they decided not to kill her. I'm glad that she was found. I'm glad that she's okay. Because it, it, it just goes to show you, beloved, that there is always life after death when there's more for you to do. You know that's good. When there's more for you to do and it's not your time yet, I don't care what happens. Life will find a way to keep you here and to make sure that you keep going. And that's what Holly teaches us tonight. That when it ain't your time, it ain't your time. And even if the situation is tragic and cumbersome and all of that, life will find a way to bless you and make sure that you're okay. So listen, man. I'm feeling a little spiritual. <laughs> Because when I think about the story, it just comes to mind. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Woo! All right, let me do a couple more before I talk to Steph. We're cooking with hot grease tonight, Steph. Look at that smile. How do you not love that guy? All right. So check this out. This, this, this one's going to get in your craw, all right? Prepare to be upset. All right? Just prepare yourself for that. So with all the craziness going on with guns in this country, this is probably one of the craziest stories related to guns that I've heard in a long time. Two Florida brothers, ages 11 and 14, broke into a gun store and stole 22 weapons. You heard what I said. Two brothers, ages 11 and 14, broke into a gun store and stole 22 weapons. And each of the brothers are now charged with 22 counts of grand theft, of a firearm and one count of armed burglary. And they were 11 and, 20 and 14 years old. 11, and they can't even drive a car. You follow what I'm saying? 11 and 14, and they broke into a store and, and stole 22 guns. And the 14-year-old, just, just listen to this, the 14-year-old was already on probation for robbery with a weapon, burglary, criminal mischief, and he's also previously arrested for making threats towards harm to another juvenile with a weapon on social media. You can't make this up. You can't make this up. So basically, the 14-year-old is a mass shooter in the making, okay? Maybe there's hope for that 11-year-old, but the 14-year-old is already going down the He's already halfway down the road to being a mass shooter and doing something crazy. And, 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 and before, before I get to how far under the jail they should put him, because I'll forget to that part, I got a question about their parents, okay? You don't mind if I go there, do you? I'm going there whether you mind or not. An 11-year-old and a 14-year-old broke into a store and stole 22 weapons. The 14-year-old was already on probation for robbery and burglary and threatened another, another juvenile. Here's my question. You ready? Where are these people? Where are their parents? Where are their mother and their father? 
aunt, uncle, grandmother, grandfather. Come on, man. I, listen, I'm all for what the system does to people. And it, 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 listen, poor whites, black folks, brown folks, LGBTQ people, women. I get what the system does. And I'm, I'm 100% toward changing the system. But at some point, when you are 11 and 14 years old, we're your mom and daddy. I'm waiting for you to say amen or something because you know I'm right. Let me tell you something, man. If my sons at 14 years old, no, let me put it on, put it on me. If I, at 14 years old, had broken into a store and stole something, Annie Sue Henderson McMillan would have beat my behind <laughs> all the way home from the police station and then got some more when she got home and probably would have called my godmother over and said, you, it's your turn because I'm tired. If my son at 14 had stolen something, the police would be the least of his problems. He would be running from me to the police. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? I know y'all don't believe in spanking your children no more, none of that. I get all that. I, listen, I, just for the record, I never spanked my kids either. I never had to. Ha! Come on, Dr. Sean. I never had to because I raised them to be responsible. I raised them not to be the kind of people that would break into a store or that would threaten somebody's life. I was present and accounted for in their lives, and they understood that I was the highest legislative authority in their existence. And then God. <laughs> Listen, man, I know we got a gun problem in this country, but this story shows we also have a parenting problem. And I think we need to fix both of these problems at the same time. All right, let me do my last one before I bring out Steph. And this is the one I couldn't wait to do. Did you hear that 31 members of a white supremacist group were arrested and charged with plotting and planning to riot at a gay pride event in Idaho? So apparently the local police learned about the plot from a tipster and other evidence that they received. And they were able to uh, find and piece together uh, that, yes, a white supremacist group were planning to riot in several areas around the city during the Pride event. And the people who were arrested for this, all, they all had on these patches and logos identifying them as members of the Patriot Front, which is a white supremacist group. And, and, and the police and authorities say that they came from 11 states. Check this out, man. From Washington State, Oregon, Texas, Utah, Colorado, South Dakota, Illinois, Wyoming, Virginia, Arkansas. And only one of the 31 was actually from Idaho. Here's where we pick up the story. So these people have nothing better to do with their lives than to get in a car or get on a plane and go all the way to Idaho to cause problems at a gay pride event and parade. And here's my question, you ready? Because I couldn't wait to do this story. Here's my question, you ready? Why, why, why does the gay pride parade bother you so much? As I sway back and forth. <laughs> why does that bother you? Why, why is it that gay folks loving being gay bothers you so much, right? So much that you would get in. Do you know how far Virginia is from Idaho? Just Google that after the show. Do you know how far Illinois is from Idaho? So, so gay folks loving being gay and being proud of who, who gay folks are 
you so bothered by that that you got in a car or a plane from Virginia. Virginia's on the East Coast. And what I want to know is, why does that bother you so much? Huh? Because here's what I've learned. I've learned that most of the time when people complain about other people loving being gay, it's because they're secretly gay and don't want to admit it. Hello, hot grease. You know what I'm saying, man? A little pride event in Idaho bothered you that much that you got on a plane to disrupt it. There's a reason why it bothered you so much, and I think you should just reconcile yourself to it and be honest about it. You see, I'm going to end with this. Sometimes the need to hate is really and actually the need to hide. Because sometimes people hide behind their hate. So the next time somebody doesn't like you, it may not be hate. They may just be hiding. <laughs> I love this show so much. This is when we come back. I'm going to talk to my brother Steph about no and, and people and, and, and pleasing people too much. But let me tell you something, people. This is one of the best shows ever. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So keep, keep the camera on me for a second because I, I, want, I want this to be very clear. You know, we, what, what we're going to do tonight is really have a conversation about what it means to sort of extend yourself to the degree and to the place where you start to diminish and disrespect yourself, right? Because you can love somebody so much that in the end, you end up hurting and disrespecting yourself. And that happens so many times. Have you ever cared about somebody so bad and so much that when it was all said and done, you ended up in a place where you didn't know who you were? You know what I'm saying? You gave so much. And when you had given so much, there was so little left for you. Right? Ayanna Von Zahn said something really profound once. She said that when David said, my cup runneth over, what he meant was that what's in the cup is for me and what runs over the cup is for you. And there's so many people who don't know how to practice that simple teaching. My, my guest tonight is here, and I want to really get him to the place where he is empowered, indelibly, most assuredly empowered, not just to live his best life, but to love and respect himself enough to make sure that nobody else is disrespecting him. That's my goal tonight. Let's see what happens. Welcome to the show tonight, Steph. What's up, Steph? How you doing? Thank you so much for having me. It is my absolute pleasure to have you here. I love your smile, man. <laughs> I appreciate it's it. It's very infectious. It. It's very infectious. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I, I, I was telling, I was telling Steve O that I, I already like your spirit. I, can, I, I am, su I'm such a quick judge of spirit that I already like your spirit. All right, let's get to it, okay? Because yes, I want to make sure we have enough time to do all the work that I want to do. So you, so if I got the story correct. You are always there for people, okay? You're always supporting people. Here's my question. Why do you think you have such a problem saying no? Um, to be honest, it's, it's kind of been, like you said, it's been it's always been like my entire life. I'm a big brother, I'm a role model. I've kind of always been in these situations. So it was never anything where I wanted to put down the baton. You know, it was always I needed to pick it back up or help move to the next phase or whatever I can do to push. I needed to push. So at the end, when I needed to push, I could have it or at least feel comfortable asking for it. Mm, okay. That see, makes see, sense. See, you, it does. You're charming, but I'm not going to be seduced by your charm tonight. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you tonight. So, so let me ask you this question. Do you ever say no? Not very often. 
Not very often. If I can make it happen, I'm not saying no. What happens the few times you do actually say no? What's that experience like? <laughs> Honestly, I like I very rarely say no, but when I do, I'm usually like checking up on everything. Like I'm kind of making sure that there is any like nudge, even if it's just like a word of wisdom or something, I can at least offer that. It's it's very hard for me to detach from situations. Honestly. So 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 it's not it's not a real no. <laughs> no, not really. It's a, no, not. Yeah, it's it's a yes waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right. So so let let's get to it because we're gonna peel back this onion tonight. Tell me how you so, got into this pattern because this is a pattern. How did you get into yeah. it? Um, honestly, I would say I. Like I said, I'm a very helpful person. Um, I've always been a very helpful person. My mother was the same way. Um, so kind of learning from her and seeing the way that um, she moved and she helped everyone else around her kind of like just made me piggyback off of those type of things and help her and then help the family and then help friends and then coworkers and things like that. And it just grew from there. So what does helping people say to you? Like when, when you help people, what are you saying to them? Um, that I guess the best way to say it would be like my love language, honestly. That's how I really express like that's that's everything. When I give you my time, when I give you like that attention, because I could be putting it on a million other things. Um, when I give you that, that's that's my everything. Um, and it's kind of hard to explain that in words sometimes. So a lot of times it's not enough. So I that's where the overextension comes. Because it's like, well, you're not going to understand this little piece. And let me give you this whole thing. And maybe this whole thing will make sense. So when you give to people, when you sacrifice for them, you are telling them that you care about them, that you love them, right? And that you want to be there for them. Now, here's here's the harder question. Do you believe that they're transmitting, translating, and receiving that message? That's that's the problem, because it's more in me understanding, like, how they communicate and trying to pay more attention to that. So I feel like the actual communication part has to get better. Um, I'm not, I'm not, honestly, I'm not hundred percent sure. I wish Steph, I even had Steph, Steph, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you because I like you. The answer is no. <laughs> what, what you're trying to say to them, ain't what yeah. they, it's not what they're receiving. They're receiving something else. Yeah. In most cases, people are receiving, you know, my agenda matters. He's there for me. Uh, if yeah. I need something, um, in most cases, people are, pe- people are receiving the message that that you value them more than you value anything about yourself. Yeah. And and that message in the wrong hands can become manipulation, can become control, and that's how people end up taking advantage of people. But but I want to peel this back a little more because because this is a pattern. This is not a yeah. moment. This is a pattern. I know yeah. that you had to be your mom's caregiver, right? Yeah. When, when you were much younger, right? Did I get that right? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, in high school, she was diagnosed with um, bipolar disorder. So kind of working through those things. And as she was started to work through them, and um, I, I was working through learning how to deal with um, a parent with dealing with mental illness. Um, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. It was mm-hmm. definitely interesting. Now, now, when you say interesting, flesh that out a little more, just a little more, so I get a sense of what does that mean? I, I like to say, and I, it's a, I guess it's an old term, uh, baptism by fire is a, is, a, is a thing that I'm very used to by now. Um, like I'm kind of used to having to jump in and not really being ready for situations. Um, and 
or at least not feeling like I'm ready for situations, but mm. having to figure out or learn along the way. Uh, yeah. not, not even really the pros, because it was never really in no rows. It was just, you kind of got to move. So you're, you're in high school doing this, right? Providing this great love and this great sacrifice for your mom. Here's my question. While you're taking care of her, who's taking care of you? Um, I, I had a great support stop, system. Stop, I stop, definitely stop, had... stop, 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 stop. Cause, cause that smile, that change in your expression, <laughs> what, what's going on? Cause you're, you're, no, cause you're, you're, you're about to defend what happened, right? Don't yeah, you don't you yeah. don't need to defend your family? I'm not attacking them. I honor them and I love them and I and I, all of that. But that smile tells me that what 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 was about to come out of your mouth was not your experience. So I'm gonna ask it again, and you're gonna be <laughs> radically honest with me. While you yeah. were taking care of her, who was taking care of you? I was, I was pretty, it was, I was alone because it was very hard for me to even express what I was doing. Like, so if you weren't actually there to see everything that was going on, you'd never really even understood all that I was really even given for uh, my mother and the rest of the family. So it was just, it just kept piling and piling and piling to the point where I kind of just stopped talking um, yeah. my junior, about my junior year in high school. Steph, I, I want you to say the words. Because saying the words is going to liberate you. And it's not a condemnation on anybody else. A lot of people mm -hmm. may have been there over certain moments. But overall, generally speaking, when you were taking care of your mother, who was taking care of you? There was, there was nobody taking care of me. Mm -hmm. not the, at least not the mental piece that okay, is, okay. is the stop, weight at this point. Stop for a second, because you, you just looked down and you, you felt something. What? What was yeah. that? What was that? Um, well, because I would say that because it, it, it's kind of to the point where it's like the mental thing has been the majority of of everything. I've kind of noticed that I was kind of able to get um, support kind of when I needed and was able to ask for it. But I had kind of had to get to that point. So like you're, the main question is, who is there really taking care of me trying to get me to that point? Not too much. I was kind of. Yeah pretty much faced with looking at all of this in front of me and figuring out you either get numb and figure out how to keep moving um, or you keep arguing with everybody trying to figure out how to deal with it with them Yeah. Um, yeah. and trying to communicate stop, it with stop, them. Stop, that was the hardest. Stop, stop, stop for a second because I'm, I'm, and I'm not being rude. I, I, just want, mm -hmm. I, I just really want to make this process meaningful for you. And, yeah. and, and here's how. Go back. You're, you're here tonight. Think uh -huh. back to your 14-year-old self, your 15-year-old self, and tell me how you feel about what he didn't get. I'm upset. Mm. I'm very upset, honestly. Um, because, I mean, majority is, I'm only upset because, and I understand the way, why I was taught to kind of fight and understand that you don't really have time to settle down and wait to see how things are happening. You kind of have to know how to move and keep going and keep going. Um, but that kind of put me into a place now, learning compartmentalism, learning other things that, that kind of put me in a place now where it's like, I don't know how not to move, how not mm. to overextend, how not to do all mm. the extra stuff. Cause the extra stuff kind of takes the attention away from the stuff that I, like you're saying, the stuff that I didn't get or don't really mm. have now. Tell me, tell me, tell me what your 15-year-old self should have gotten. Um, You're thinking too much. Just say it. Don't think. I am. The, the, 
the space to communicate. I guess mm-hmm. that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. The space to like the 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 feeling that freedom to be able to communicate. Because mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't that it wasn't that I wasn't articulate or I didn't know how, but just the space, like the mental freedom to be able to say, no, it's okay for you to say that. It's okay mm-hmm. for you to feel like this. Um, we don't even have to talk about, you know, I mean, why or anything else. Just that you feel like this, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go from there. I'm I'm um, Steph, can, can I add a few things? And if you agree, mm-hmm. if you agree what I say, just shake your head, okay? Just shake your head, because I'm wait. I wager to think tonight that the 15-year-old you, while he was taking care of someone else, someone should have been taking care of him. That you, you, you should have had communication, understanding, and empathy. <laughs> you should have had support. You should have been protected more. Somebody should have been telling you how important and amazing you were for doing what you were doing for your mom. That's what you should have gotten. Now, as I say that to you, what's happening in you? I never really thought about those things, to be honest with you. Kind of like opening like those different doors where it's like, oh, I actually forgot that door was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were feelings behind it or whatever, or there was anything behind it. I kind of like mm-hmm. just started to look past it for real, for real. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Ooh. listen, I got to take this break, but this, this is such a rich conversation because yeah. I see you getting illumination. I literally see you having epiphanies and aha moments where you're starting to consider the journey differently. So when we come back, Steph, we're going we're gonna, to we're talk about this some more. And then I want to hear how has this overexertion, this overextension affected your friendships and your relationships? Because I'm sure this ain't just limited to one area of your life. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this. When we come back, Steph's going to be back. I'm going to be back. Make sure you're here because this is just getting good. Be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So I'm talking to my dear brother, Steph, and uh, I'm enjoying the conversation, Steph, on many levels. Um, so let me ask you this. Give me an example, a concrete example of you overcommitting either with a friendship or a relationship. Um, concrete, there's, there's a lot of examples. Um, I was, I went to school in West Virginia. Um, when COVID started, um, I had a, I moved out of my dorms and I um, was able to find a roommate and we were able to get a house. Um, it was a great situation. Um, big thing or the thing that ended up happening is I had friends and everyone wanted to come over. I was making music and I had all the equipment. I kind of set myself up so that I could record. Um, I could at least learn to start producing myself. Um, I had access to some engineers um, so I could start moving that process myself. Um, but that kind of became the spot, like the haven or whatever. And it was just, it was cool. It was very cool to have all that around. But at the same time, it just became very heavy. Um, because you could feel everything and everybody's weight and why they came there as well. I'm a very attentive person. I try to be try to be attentive. Um, another part of the overextending, so I try to, I don't want anyone to feel bad around me as well. So if you're coming into my space, physical, emotional, mental, um, I want to be able to be there for you, whether you ask me or not. Because I feel like if you came to the space, you came for a reason. Um, so... People come to the space, 
I would see things on top of bringing whatever they were bringing into the space. I would see things. And then from there, things would just spiral downhill. Um, I wish I could say uphill, but downhill, because majority of the time it left me leaving what I was trying to focus on and focus more on them. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see my face, Steph. I'm, 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 I'm exacerbated. Yeah. Not, not, not from negativity, but, but because I'm old enough now to know that you cannot love everything equally. You cannot love everybody equally. You yeah. have to prioritize. You have to decide that some people have access and some people don't. That some yeah. people have carbon. Some people have the ability to make me change my plans. And some people don't, because if you try to give everything to everybody equally, you end up giving nobody nothing. That's no, true. So it's tell, true. so tell me what saying yes and overextending and exerting yourself. Tell me what it's doing to you. I know what they're getting <laughs> out of it, but what's it doing <laughs> to you? Um, to me, honestly, it's kind of uh, leaving me more alone because I'll make more commitments outside of ones that I've already committed to, um, which, well, outside of the commitments that I already have to myself. Um, so trying to keep all of those never really actually works, um, mm. which leads to prioritization that's harder to explain later. So I've already said that I had, that they had priority. Mm. Um, so explaining that later that I couldn't give you the priority that you thought you had is not usually a good conversation. Yeah. Um, so it kind of yeah. leaves me um, with the fact that I was not able to help the person that was trying to help. I'm still left with whatever work I have to do for myself. And I just feel bad. It's never a good place to be, honestly. Yeah. Wow. Listen, Steph, you, you've been on the show now for a good 20, 20 minutes, right? And I, I think you get a sense that I'm, I'm a good guy. I have good intentions and my heart is good. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to ask you to trust me. Do me a favor. Close your eyes. Just, and, and take take a really deep breath. Take, in, inhale, inhale, real deep. And now exhale out your mouth, out your mouth. Okay. Inhale through your nose, really deep. Inhale, inhale. And blow it out your mouth. Blow it out your mouth. Okay. Keep your eyes closed. And I want you to answer this question with your eyes closed. When is it going to be your turn and your chance to be loved? I wish I honestly had an answer. I, I I wish I honestly had an answer. Mm-hmm. It should be now, um, but kind of the idea and everything I've been working for is not really with me in mind. Okay, like stop, 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 because you're doing you're doing what you do. Okay, no, you're keep, right. Keep your you're eyes right. closed, because because I, I I just want you to have this moment with yourself, not even with me, just with yourself. When is it going to be your turn to be loved, your turn to be sacrificed for, your turn for someone to overextend for you? When are you going to allow you permission to be cared about? Today? Today? Mm-hmm. Sounds like a question. Mm-hmm. Now I need to do it today. Yeah. Oh, oh, open your eyes for a second. Open your eyes for a second. First, first thank you for that, all right? Um, Thank you. For what? <laughs> for making me sit with myself and actually answer the question, like talk to myself with it. <laughs> um, because, yeah, that's a, 
<laughs> it's an interesting thing to think about. When I'm not going to allow myself to be loved. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm running out of time, but, I, but here's what I want to say to you. You don't have to take care of the world anymore. You don't have to take care of your mother anymore. And you need to add a different love language to your list of love languages. Because you are teaching people how to treat you. You are giving people permission to disrespect you. And you think you're telling people how much you care about them when in truth you're only telling them that you don't care about yourself. There's a difference between what you want and what you deserve. I don't have time right now, but if I had more time, I would ask you, tell me what you want. And then right after that question, I would ask you, tell me what you deserve. And, and I would believe everything you said for the want question, but I would believe nothing you said for the deserve question. Because if you believe that you deserved better and that you deserved more, you would never allow people to, to, to take advantage of you. So here's the last thing I'm going to say to you, and, I, and I, I, I say this from my soul to yours. People who are, have a hard time saying no, in most instances have a hard time because we don't feel that we're worthy. We don't feel like we deserve to stand up for ourselves. Because somewhere along the line, somebody made us feel like we weren't good enough, we weren't smart enough, we weren't strong enough, weren't black enough, white enough, gay enough, straight enough whatever enough, man enough, you know what I'm saying? Somebody made us feel like we were not enough. And so we overcompensate by doing as much as we can to show people, I'm, I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'll do whatever you need me to do. You can love me now. Do you love me now? Do you love me now? I gave you my arm, do you love me now? I gave you my leg, do you love me now? I took my lung out and gave you that, do you love me now? You want my heart? Here it is. And what I want you to understand is that no matter how much you give someone, no matter how much you sacrifice for someone, until they see you stand up for yourself, they will never respect you and never love you. I, your, your face is changing. Tell me what's going on real quick. I mean, don't think, don't, don't think, say, don't think, feel. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about just that, the whole deserving, deserving and want. My whole concept is that I don't, to think that I deserve something would mean that I'm taking it from somebody else. No. Um, weirdly enough. So like no. that, even the way that you just explained that is kind of like, yeah. No, that's not what it means. What it means, and now I really got to go because they're going to start yelling at me. What, what, <laughs> what, what it means is I love you, but I'll never yeah. love you more than I love myself. Mm. I love myself enough to tell you no so that I can live. Yeah. That's all it means. Listen, Steph, you got to come back and see me. Um, nah, absolutely. Because, yeah, you, I, I think you've had some real epiphany moments here. And I pray going forward that you will understand that you telling them no is how you say yes to yourself. Yeah. Listen, I'm out of time, people. We got to take this break. When we come back, uh, we got more to do. So I'll see you right after this. Don't y'all go nowhere because I'm just getting started. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Listen, therapy can be so useful for all of us. And that is why I'm so excited to tell you about BetterHelp. See, BetterHelp is, is, is full of twists and turns and willing to be there for us because life is full of twists and turns and changes. Life is full of moments of grief and growth and moments where you feel like we're taking a few steps back. And that's why BetterHelp is so important. Because it's also important for you to show up for yourself. 
through all the struggles that life can bring. And BetterHelp Online is therapy, and it's here for the twists and turns and will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. I believe that therapy is one of the best things you could ever do for yourself. It's an investment that you deserve. It is, and, and, and BetterHelp, thankfully, is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as is the case with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change therapists if you need it. And it's more affordable than traditional online therapy. And financial aid, of course, is available. Thank God for that. So look, BetterHelp, that's Better H-E-L-P, is a great way to show up for yourself and to invest in your own well-being. Because you deserve well-being and you deserve some inner peace. So visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. And visit BetterHelp, that's betterhelp.com slash bookashawn. That's betterhelp and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people are using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states to help out with the backlog and the outcry for people to help and bless themselves. And I have a special offer just for my viewers. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bookershawn. You heard me. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bookershawn. We'll be right back. Thank you, everybody. So, great conversation tonight, right? Steph's a great guy. I think he's going to do well. I think he's going to be okay the moment he starts, you know, loving himself enough to put himself first. All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Play the bopper highly. Got another great video sent in by a dear brother. Let's take a look at it now. Hi, Dr. Sean. Oh, sister. My name is Jess Beamy, and I'm an upcoming recording artist from Houston, Texas. I recently moved from Houston, Texas to Los Angeles, California in order to pursue my musical dreams. But what are your thoughts about cutting off family and other people in order to excel in your career? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? First of all, I thought that video was from my brother. It's from my, from my sister. My bad. Um, well, it depends on the family and the friends, right? Depends on who you're dealing with. You know, there, there'll always come a, a moment and a point in life where you have to make a choice between what you love and what you love more. Decisions between yes and no are not that hard, especially if you have a moral compass and you believe in some things. Deciding between a yes and a no, a greater and a lesser, a good and an evil, that ain't that hard. The hard decisions are when you have to choose between what you love and what you love more, between what you value and what you value more. See, when the, when the decision is between yes and yes, yes, I love my family, and yes, I love my career, well, that's a whole nother level. And that's when you have to really be clear 
about what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. And that's when you have to love yourself enough to love yourself to give yourself a chance at what you want to do the most with your life. You see, I'm very clear that my destiny, my proximity to greatness and success and opportunity and achievement means more to me than just about everything. Don't ever make me choose between my destiny and you because I will never choose you. I'm very clear about that. And when you're in my life or you come into my life, you get, you get clear about that too because I let you know. Don't ever ask me to choose between what I was born to do and just holding on to you. I'm never going to choose you over destiny. So it's not about being right. It's not about, you know, is it wrong? It's about sometimes you have to communicate to the people that you love why you're doing this. And sometimes you have to communicate to them that this is what you feel you have to do. And hopefully they begin to understand why you're so committed to it. And hopefully they begin to support you. But in the event that they don't, you got to support yourself enough to be able to tell people that you care about. I choose my future far and above and I choose any particular relationship or any particular family member. I'm not not choosing you. I'm not choosing against you, but I've decided that I would rather suffer on my way to be greatness, to be great rather, or to greatness, than I would to sit around and be comfortable among people that I know. I'm clear about that. And I hope you get clarity on it too. And I hope your family and friends understand that this is something you have to do. And the same way they had a chance to do the things that they love and are born to do, now this is your chance to do it too. See, I'm praying you don't have to cut people off. But in the event that you do, please understand that anybody who is for you can never leave you. And anybody who is against you cannot stay. That's how life works. So good luck with that. And I would always say to you, always choose what you love more. Sometimes even over the things that you claim to love. Because everybody who's connected to you may not be strong enough to go with you into the next season of your life. And how about this? Everybody ain't supposed to go. Some people can only handle you on the slope of the mountain, but not the peak. And you got to be strong enough and committed enough to your journey to leave people where they can be successful. You hear what I just said? Sometimes you have to leave people where they can be successful. Sometimes you leave them in the valley. Sometimes you leave them on the slope. Sometimes you leave them right before you get to the top. But don't ever put yourself in a position where you are choosing people just for the sake of having people because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I'd much rather hurt your feelings than ruin my destiny. All right. Somebody DM me a question. And here it is. Me and my girl, uh, me... My girlfriend and I <laughs> have been together for 11 years. But for the last two years, I realized that I'm more interested in being with a man. How do I tell her the truth? But I don't want to break her heart. How do I tell her that we should break up because I think I'm gay? Okay. Well, this is actually interesting because I think this applies to other things other than, you know, this particular instance of being gay. And here's what I mean by that. People transform, people change, people turn into different versions of themselves. 
and, and while for some people it's not, I'm discovering that I'm gay, for other people it may be discovering that I don't like your sister, or I'm discovering that I hate my career. We're always discovering new things about ourselves. Now, the challenge is to communicate that revelation and that transformation to people who knew us at a certain stage of our lives. And here's how you do that. The mistake people make is they give, they give the other person the, the conclusion. I'm gay. I don't like my job. I hate your sister. Don't give people the conclusion. Give them the journey. You follow what I'm saying? So the way you tell her is you take her into this journey. When, when did these feelings start? How did you notice them? Uh, what were your feelings when you noticed them? Right? Because ultimately what she's going to want to know is whether or not the relationship you had with her was a lie. Were you just hiding behind her? And she deserves to know that you guys had a genuine journey, a genuine relationship. And when these feelings sort of emerged in you and when you were now ready to acknowledge them. You follow what I'm saying? So you don't just, my point is you just don't walk in and say, oh, by the way, Sally, I'm gay. And then that's it. Because that's how you're going to get some hot grits poured on you. You know what I'm saying? No, you walk in and say, listen, I am going through a transformation that is, that is as frightening for me as it's going to be uh, threatening to you. And, 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 and here's where it started. Here's where I first noticed this. And what you should know is that I profoundly and deeply love you. And I've always loved you. And my love for you has been real. But there was this thing in me that I didn't even know was there. And I couldn't share it with you because I didn't even know I had it. And the moment that I was able to reconcile myself to what I felt, I brought it to you because I, you deserve to know. And then the hard thing you have to do is answer her questions because she's going to have questions. And most of those questions will not be about you. They'll be about her and your life with her. But when you're about to tell someone something that's going to completely unsettle and transform their lives, you've got to sit there and answer their questions. You've got to deal with it. You follow what I'm saying? And you deserve, you deserve, she deserves rather, to have those questions answered. But here's the thing I want to give you that I think is really going to bless you. Don't think of this conversation that you're about to have with her as being all negative. Because she may surprise you. She may surprise you and tell you that she already knew. She may surprise you and tell you that she supports and affirms what it is you are about to engage and embark on. You may lose a girlfriend, but gain a friend. You follow what I'm saying? You guys may turn into being genuinely connected on a whole nother level. I mean, give her an opportunity to surprise you. And don't go into this conversation with fear and with regret and shame and recrimination. Go into this conversation full of the truth that you are discovering something that you really didn't know you had. And I think that's the thing that's going to make her able to accept it a little better. Because it's one thing for you to know that you're gay since you were six. <laughs> and then you went out date women, you know what I'm saying? Just leading women on and you knew since you were six that you like God. It's another thing to, to make that discovery much, much later on. Is that you were not being you know, disingenuous, you were not lying, not being... No, it is a genuine discovery for you. I think she'll be able to appreciate that. Good luck with that. Anyway, Steph was a wonderful guest tonight. I really wish him well. 
I really want everybody who deserves to stand up for themselves to have a chance to stand up for themselves. Stand up for yourself, people, because nobody's going to do it for you, okay? Great show tonight. I will see you soon, very soon. You guys continue to be amazing, both to yourself and to one another. Y'all be good to each other. And be good to yourself, okay? And if everything else fails, here's what you should remember. Dr. Sean loves you. <laughs>